It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, hockey world. Um, we are so happy to be with you today. And, um, but first, Russ Cohen with something to say. Yeah, quick one. Um, Tyler Glasnow, a really talented pitcher for Tampa, uh, has come down with a partially torn UCL, and he has blamed the substance crackdown from MLB on the injury because now he can't get as good a grip on the ball and said that's why he got injured. And and I have to say, uh, I like Glasnow as a pitcher. I I don't care about what his flimsy excuse is because at the end of the day – you're a major league pitcher, and if you were relying on that stuff, which was illegal, it was illegal from the start of the season, if yeah. you were relying on that to keep you healthy, then that's on you. And so I just, yeah. you know, I don't understand it. Now they've also outlawed sunscreen, which I get because it's another substance you can put on the ball. But, but to blame the injury on it, I just don't get it. Great. So when a starting pitcher sues Major League Baseball for getting skin, skin cancer, cancer yeah. for well, sunscreen? I, I, Russ, I 97.35% agree with you. Um, I like the exactness. But uh, 2.65 of me um, is a little concerned because I've read numerous quotes <laughs> from hitters yes. who are concerned mm-hmm. that pitchers um, can't use that because they don't want to get hit. And some yeah, Alonzo was the first to say it. I remember that. Yeah, well, there's, there's a few floating around out there. And uh, – Several of them know enough about it to know that a lot of pitchers use this, you know, to control the baseball because they're all trying to put that incredible spin on it. Explain um, to me what this stuff is. What is this stuff? It's called spider tack. It basically yeah. is a sticky substance that allows right. uh, pitchers to, to have better uh, a, a better grip on the ball. Okay. So they yeah. so they can spin the ball more and then actually like move move the ball better at high speeds. And they use the mountain climbing act to get a grip. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah mountain climbing. Now, now I heard the potential compromise. I, I can't remember if it was Jeff Passan or one of the other like baseball insiders out there that the, apparently the Japanese league uses a ball that ha- that has a surface that is a little more of a sticky surface. And that that they maybe next year they may adopt that, but honestly, changing a rule in the middle of the year, it's a typical typical Rob Manfred asinine. Yeah, but but here's here's the thing about that. I agree with you completely on that, Mike. But um, you know, it is it is kind of a safety thing. Like they, you know, they really thought when they first started down the path of that. Now what they're finding out, it might be a safety thing the other way that pitchers actually do need. You know this, so you know. I I think it. I think but there it's was still on the pitcher to have better control, Ken. It's not like they've oh. been using this stuff since 1950. They have no, but they weren't trying to spin the ball in the no, 1950s. That's true. That's true. You know, like like they are now, and um, you know, there's just genuine kind of concern about what's happening. This, but here's the most remarkable thing. I, I I don't know if they showed this on every baseball game, but since this was announced, you know, hitting is at uh, as we all uh, baseball fans know is down significantly batting average mm-hmm. since they announced 
that they were going to start checking the pitchers, batting averages have risen about mm -hmm. by, about yeah, eight. It's friggin' psychological. Like, it's just like two thirty six to two forty some. Yeah, all wow. of a sudden, all of a sudden, Gary Sanchez is in the two thirties when he was hitting like isn't one. This, isn't this psychological mostly though? Like the play, no. like, I think. The play, no, I don't, I don't think, think it is. is. I don't think no. it is. Right. No. Well, here's the other thing. Do, do, do they still allow? Remember grip tape on hockey, like hockey sticks, grip tape. Yeah. Um, you guys are with tape or six with yeah, grip they tape. Use grip tape. They can use. They can even use pine tar now, which they didn't weren't able to use in the '80s. So you could use. Can you pine put tar grip tape. Can you put grip tape on the bottom of your stick? Can you do that? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I always wondered that. Like if that would help you yeah. give you. If that would give you more of a. I mean, I'm a goalie, so I didn't know if people did this or not. I mean, I know grip tape was made made for the top of your stick mainly. It's all a question of what Major League Baseball deems to be legal. They have rosin bags on the pitcher's mound, so you know rosin is something that can be. But you okay? So now you can't have rosin mixed with this suntan oil or whatever because right. that can be made into a sticky substance. It's all it's all a question of what they will allow. And what this is is the fact that they saw the they saw the game going to like circa 1968. <laughs> and, and and it's but the thing is the, the the problem with the game right now is not the dominant pitching. It's the fact that everybody's trying to hit the ball six thousand feet. That's yep. the problem. That's the right. biggest problem. Right. So, yeah. Um. The one thing the concern I have, and I don't even know if it's still like this or not, but back in in my previous life when I was a baseball writer, um, <laughs> when you went into a dugout, <clears throat> you were always at risk to get pine tar somewhere on your. Mm. Oh yeah, on your pants, oh, wow. or whatever, and that would cost you a ten-game suspension if you're a pitcher. Like, really? like how could they walk in it now? Again, I don't know. Maybe the way they station the bats now is different. I don't know, but I remember, you know, when you're a baseball writer, you'd go through the dugout to get onto the field for batting practice, and I was right. always amazed that no matter what I did, if I walked <laughs> through the dugout, I'd come out and I'd have pine tires somewhere. Wow. Uh, you know, I'd only been through the dugout a couple times, but I had seen it for sure. See that yeah. How tough yep. is that to get out, or you have to basically get a new pair of pants? It's, it's hard to get out. No, I was going to say, yeah, yeah it's gotta be, that's got to be tough to get out. That, that was Michael Pineda's excuse. He walked through the dugout and he got this mound of pine yeah. that was about about the size of New Jersey on the on the back of his neck. Well, no, not buying that, but I would buy that <laughs> it would be on your pants. Uh, yeah, if you're going through. Now, so, and, that and, the, and the stuff and the, and the all the and all the uh, you know like chewing tobacco on your shoes, man, must have been now, gross, gross in those dugouts. Now, let me just say briefly before we get started. Um, I, I went to my first major league game. Oh yeah, last did. last weekend against the the Astros and came out hoarse because I was screaming and yelling at Jose Altuve. Uh, this time <laughs> I was screaming for a different reason. It was it was, it was Yankees and Blue Jays and. Okay, I've been to enough Leaf Sabers games in my life to see when a fan base invades a stadium or, or an arena, and I, I've seen it where it was basically 85-15 Leafs Sabers in their own building. Uh, I've never seen it the way it was yesterday, and, and I don't know what the official attendance was. It might I can tell you, Michael, from when the Yankees were in town for two games in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. The Yankees travel. Yankee fans travel extremely well. They they oh, definitely yeah. outnumbered Philadelphia Phillies fans. Well, uh, at the well they're everywhere too. They don't just yeah, travel well. They're everywhere. It wasn't yeah. outnumbered. It was. Oh, yeah. it was. I mean, it, you know, and Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News said 
Toronto fans who live in Buffalo must have stayed home because, first of all, it was the ticket prices. The ticket prices were ridiculous. Second of all, you know, I don't know how many people are getting a chance to go to New York City for a Yankees game. But if, if there was a, if it was eleven thousand people at the at the stadium yesterday, I'd say ten thousand five hundred were Yankees fans. Yeah, I think they said it was seventy one hundred or something like that. So that gets about sixty five hundred Yankee fans. It must be season ticket holders, though. I mean, what did they just sell their tickets? They thought yes. they made yeah. money on it, right? I mean, yeah. you also have again a part of the season where a chunk of the season is being was played down in Dunedin, Florida. Right. I, I, right. There's not like if you're expecting some sort of a connection between Buffalo, right? And Toronto, yeah. I mean, it's the Bison who they'll have their connection yeah, with. Yeah, you know, we saw that finale. If you remember at the Winter Classic, uh, when uh, yeah. the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings were playing, that mm -hmm. was in the middle of a huge recession. Like one of every yeah. third house in Michigan um, had a right. you know a a foreclosure right. sign up. And Canadians were willing to pay incredible prices. And it got to the point where people just felt like they had to take the money. Yeah. Um, and th that stadium, uh, people said it was 50-50. There's no way. I no, thought it was, it was more. It was three more quarters blue. Maple Leafs yeah. fans because they had money and people in Michigan did not. But you could get, you know, $500, $1,000 for your winter classic tickets yeah. and like that. And people, people so many, mm -hmm. I heard so many people that I knew say, well, I had tickets, but you know, when they the Canadians started offering like a thousand dollars, like you know, we had to take them, you know. And yeah, they, like, what can you do? Right. It, yeah. It's a it's a it's a lost art. And I'll, and I'll fold this into what uh, when we discuss Tampa Bay and 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 the Islanders, it, it's a lost art to appreciate uh, radio broadcasts. I'm still somebody who likes to listen to radio broadcasts, even if I'm alive at a game. And yesterday, you know, I listened to the Yankee broadcast with Susan Waldman and John Sterling, who've been doing it for years. Did um, it work, Mike, timing-wise? Like, I tried, no, I tried no, radio, no, radio broadcasts don't no, work anymore. Is that what you're getting that to? Was, that was the problem. It was like, yeah. it, it's one thing if you're home and you can delay the cable and, and match it up. Here, uh, this guy, Chris Gittens, hits a home run, his first career home run. And I'm listening to John Sterling talk about talking about Broadway opening yeah. up. And it, it was like a minute and a half later before they he goes, you know, Chris, you know, Chris, big hitting Gittens with the home run. It was it was, it, it was anticlimactic. I'm, it was I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling right now because again, Chris Gittens was played a long time, uh, quite a few seasons for the Trenton Thunder, and I've been to enough Trenton Thunder games. So yeah, the minute you mentioned his right. name, I got a, I got a smile on my face. Mike, I know he was their big hitter. And Anthony, this is how clueless. I, I, I and yeah. I, I like Susan Waldman, but this is how yeah, yeah. clueless Susan Waldman was. She says, "Well, he." Because he's like he was like 0 for 14 in the major leagues. She's mm. like, well, that was his first hit. Oh, he must be comfortable hitting in this ballpark. He may have played here last year. Uh, excuse me, the minor leagues were completely shut down last year, and he had never been above Double A right. for yeah. this year. And they didn't play they don't they didn't play Triple A games in in Buffalo this year, Susan. So you know what are you talking about? Well, this this just this just started this 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 started this year, Mike. Because I I am one of my like little tricks that I've done for years at hockey games is. In preseason games or early in the season when I don't know all the players on the other's team that well, you know, and I'm still learning who's who, mm -hmm. um, I've always brought a little little transistor radio with me and then po popped it in my ear just so I could listen to the broadcast. Sure. That, it just helps you because it really just it's really just uh, one of those things that I don't you know I don't have to look down and see who's number that you know that thing for the many players that are playing. Yeah, the only um, thing is that I, I I would not have been able to pick up WFAN on a transistor radio out of New York because it's out of New York, and and I right. I, I would have been able to pick up Fan Five Ninety out of Toronto from where I where I was. So if so, you go to NHL.com or the NHL app, 
and you know listen to it like that yeah. that's always been, that's always been delayed so that's fine so you have to have a radio so right. but 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 to then now that all radios are most of the stuff's on fm fm's in hd hd radio now I mean, if you just tune into an fm radio it's on hd radio right and, and an fm transistor thing and there and that's delayed too so yeah you can't yeah. you can't get any it's really frustrating anyway let's move on yep. here we go um but let's start hello hockey world it is wednesday june 16th 2021 I'm Michael Agello, and I'm not pissed off. No, my goodness. I'm Anthony Mangione, and I'm happy for Michael. <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and look for my Kindle Vela Tales from the NHL Draft Story series that will probably start coming out on Saturday. Nice. At your, you can That's get awesome. it on the app or at Amazon.com. That's a mouthful. Yeah, I'm Kevin Allen. I just have nothing to add to all that. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a really good article we're going to get into, Kevin. Um, and I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings going in the hockey world. And before we get into last night um, and then then subsequently tonight, we have a little bit of news kind of stuff flying around today. I wanted to just do like a quick like run around the league. Um there is a big rumor now. Um, I don't know if it's official yet, has the Brendan Moore thing been announced? Um, but it looks like Caroline and Brenda Moore are very close to actually announcing something. Um, it hasn't been announced that, yet, but that's yeah. what that's what I heard. And um, pointing that way, yes, yeah, it's pointing that way. Uh, and um, I talked to a source of mine, and Ron Francis did obviously talk to Brenda Moore, which we kind of would assume he would have, because you know Brenda Moore is is a free agent now, right? So you could talk to him, and uh, that's what that's what at least we said. That's what, that's what at least I heard. Um, but yeah, Brenda Moore, and like you had said, Kevin, all along, this is going to get done. It, it really looks like it is. Yeah, I mean, the only issue at the end was uh, um, the, apparently there were some issues that he uh, Rod didn't uh, heard that some of his uh, people that worked uh, with him weren't getting paid uh, or or uh, something had happened to him, and he wanted to make sure that was all cleared up. That's at least the rounds that okay uh, that heard. But you know, the, all along, uh, you know, I mean, it was pretty clear it was going to happen. He wanted yeah. to stay there. He's lived there for since he's retired. He was building a new house. As I said, I joked about it, but it was all true. He picked out carpeting. I mean, you know, <laughs> not a guy that yeah. was, was intending to leave. He's very comfortable there. He likes the relationship that he has with ownership, with, uh, with Don Waddell. He likes the team a lot. Um, so he, he really he just didn't have interest. And people wanted to make it about the money. And they were willing to pay him, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably not as much as he could have gotten elsewhere, but I, it is significant. Yeah, oh, that's the that's See that, and this this and this is great news for Carolina fans. Obviously, this is this right. is what this this is this is what they wanted. Um, their Brendan Moore has been an amazing coach. He is the Carolina Hurricanes for all intents and purposes to a lot of fans. Like Rod Brendan Moore is the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, you know, he's a captain that captain that raised the cup above his head for crying out loud. You know, that's that he's the guy, um, and has been an incredible coach. No two ways about it, right? Was he the captain there? Or was Stahl the captain there? Am I wrong about that? No, no. Brenda was the captain. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's one other element to it too that I, I I haven't really talked about, but you know, a lot of coaches want to be a centerpiece. They want to be involved in the decision making and all that kind of stuff. Rod doesn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> so he he wants to be the coach. He wants to leave everything else to the management, and that's his that's his thing. And I think his popularity there is also. Also, something he really appreciates, uh, 
he, you know, he, he just likes his life there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you can blame him. I mean, and Rod probably if they ever needed an extra player could still play. I mean, that Rod's ridiculous. The, the in-shapeness of Rod Brindamore is, is off the charts. It's ridiculous. Like, and, and the players in the bubble, I remember the players in the bubble joking about it when they had one of those behind the scenes thing um, on the NHL network and they were out there playing like Frisbee football or something like that in the Toronto pickleball. Right, where yeah, wherever they were playing, you know, the BMO were, field, yeah, <laughs> they were all saying that, you know, like yeah, Brendan Moore, I just look at the guy, like he's out without his shirt on, like like throwing frizzes around, he's like, he's in, he's always been a ridiculous workout fiend, but my God, uh, and they're so I, I, and the, and they're so cl- the thing is, Carolina's close, they're yeah, really yeah. close, they're yeah. they're they're a net, you know, consistent net minder away, I think. If they could only get a net minder away, exactly, and that, that that falls under the auspices of the general manager uh, to be to 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 make that move or to hope, you know, if they're trying to develop Alex Nadalkovic, that he can take that next step. But they're close, and I okay. I don't blame Brendan Moore for wanting to stay for wanting to stay put with the relationship that he has and the yeah. team that he has to have to kind of be that close and then to maybe step into an expansion situation with Seattle, which again we. Vegas has been. Let's face it. Mo- most cases, you know, Vegas has been the outlier compared to most expansion oh, teams. But by far, we, right. yeah. But you in, in this current era with cap era, that could very well. You never know. Seattle happen again. Could we'll have that success. Out. But yeah. I, I, you I, again, if it's close, if the if it isn't that far off money wise, then I would say that. You, I think in this case, the sure thing. There's more of a sure thing in Carolina. Yeah, there is, and and you know, and. It, it, it's really, it, it is really like, it is, it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, and the other thing that people have to remember too is Carolina is actually a very reasonable place to live. Like it's not, it's, it's of all the places you can live um, uh, in the NHL. It's one of the more, um, it's one of the cheaper places to exist, to live. You know, it just, it just is. It's not, and if you're so making, making the kind of money Brindamore's making there, you know, it, it, it's different. Like Seattle's way. It's not, it's not well vaccinated, but otherwise you're right. Right. Seattle's way more expensive to live in Seattle, for example, or it's way more expensive. Oh That's just the way it know. is. So anyway, uh, the other news today uh, comes from our um, our buddy um, uh, Myrtle in in um, up up north, who is coming out and saying that uh, he writes for the Athletic, of course. James Myrtle um, used to used. To, I, I remember I you know yeah. forever I forever I've known James Myrtle. I brought him on to XM years ago when he was just a blogger, and um, he is today saying that ja- that Zach Hyman has apparently played himself out of Toronto um, by his. By his talents and by his skills, he's going to want more money than the Leafs are willing to pay. Um, I did a little research on this, then, Mike, I want to hear your opinion on it. But uh, the research I did on it, I got some people to tell me the same sorts of things. Um, but I really got the impression that this was more of like a spin machine that was happening. That this, that what what's happening here is both both Toronto, Toronto, first of all, knows how important Zach Hyman is. They they like you, you guys were saying he stirs the drink and he does. He's like he's might not be the superstar, but he is the guy who keeps the superstars balanced and keeps everything running. And he's the guy who digs out of the course. He's that guy, and he's important. And the Leafs know that obviously. So they're not. And then and then from from Hyman's perspective. There's no better situation he could be in. I mean, he's in the perfect spot to play and the perfect team to play. So, but, but you don't, but you don't want to be taken for granted. You know, like if you're if you're Zach Hyman, you don't want to say like you know they, they know that he knows that he knows that they know that. You don't want to come in really low. So I think what's happening here is a little bit of like, yeah. you know, show me a little love. And I think I think the the Leafs are willing to show him a little love, just not a lot of love, because if they stick with their you know what their perceived. Um, you know, uh, 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 philosophy was after the season-ending media availabilities. We're not going to touch the core four. Then, then right. you're uh, then you're locked into 
you know, sort of nickel and diming Hyman on a long-term extension. I mean, you can you can do a number of things. You can extend the term to six or seven years. You can heavy load it with signing bonus early on, but they're probably limited to probably around four and a half to five million bucks at the most on Hyman. And Hyman might, in a market where there is not a lot of teams out there with a lot of cap space, but a team like Detroit, you know, where, you know, he played with Dylan Larkin at Michigan, you know, maybe they would be willing to pay more because they have a lot of cap space or teams like Buffalo or Ottawa or New Jersey. They have right. lots of cap space. Um, the Leafs don't if they stick with that philosophy. Again, I believe that they 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 pumped up the value and they backed the, the you know the the core four because they had to. Because what are you going to do? Slam all the guys that lost this, that were primarily responsible for losing the series against Montreal? No, you're going to say we believe in those guys. But if they get an offer for a William Nylander, I think they would they would address it. They would, they would possibly take it because they have more than Zach Hyman to worry about over the next couple of years. They have to sign Morgan Riley. And I don't see them being able to add a number one defenseman like Morgan Riley uh, in free agency over the next couple of years. So uh, that's why I, I continue to believe now I talked to somebody and they said, it makes too much sense for Hyman in Toronto. It makes too much. Dubas knows the value of Zach Hyman. When Zach Hyman was before he was at Michigan, uh, uh, when he was basically at almost draft age, his mm. advisor was Kyle Dubas. Right. Kyle, du Kyle Dubas was the one who suggested they trade with Florida for his draft rights when he was a C after his senior right. year at Michigan. They, you know, they, he, he, he was his general manager with the Marlies. He knows how good and how integral Zach Hyman is to this Leafs team and how every line played better when Zach right. And was on it. So yeah. do I think he wants to stay in Toronto. Yes. Do I think the Leafs want to bring him back? Yes. It's a question of mm -hmm. how much. And then this yeah. nego this whole thing is, you know, sort of dickering back and forth to see how much he can get. And I think in the end they'll 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 pay. It's him. like any other year, Mike. It's like if someone out there it says, Hey, we'll give Zach Hyman six and a half, then you know, that's when you have a problem. But if nobody does that, he probably does go back. Right, and, and and other teams might float right. it out there because what do they want to do? They want to drive the price up on Toronto. If if mm -hmm. if, if Toronto is paying Zach Hyman five and a half million dollars, then that's probably seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars more that uh, that they wouldn't they won't be able to spend on other players in other situations. So of course it's in their interest to drive up the price on Hyman. Right, right. All right, now Kevin, I want to get to you on the NHL summer trade market stronger than usual article you wrote on Monday night because I really, I really enjoyed this one a lot, and a lot of people did too. I got a lot of comments about it. Um, people in, in the chat room were talking about it, um, and I guess the big, the big name is is Jack Eichel, right? And you start up, but you start, and Jack Eichel's not on your list. Um, now I, well, we'll I just didn't put him on because I don't yeah. know what they're going to do, and I really yeah. didn't, uh, you know, like it yeah. didn't seem at that point, you know. Uh, yeah. Since I've, I've written that in the last 48 hours, it's pretty clear they're going to trade him. So you think, you think it is clear they're going to trade him? Do you really think that now? I do. And mm -hmm. I think they've really moved along on it. I, I mean, I've heard, you know, through the grapevine, I mm -hmm. uh, I actually tried to call you last night to tell you yeah. about what I had heard. But um, there are people within the organization who believe they have um, deals in place that will give them another top 10 pick. Right. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that tells yeah. us 
who they're thinking. They're thinking Columbus, Anaheim, which are I, I was told Columbus is a legit contender. In this yeah, well, as well as Anaheim as well. Although I don't think they have the pieces. I'm actually going to write about this as soon as mm -hmm. we get off of the. You don't think Anaheim does? You don't well, think Anaheim is, Anaheim is the third overall pick? Yeah, pick, so. but they don't have anything else. No, it would probably be something something like Adam Henrique or, you know, I mean, because. Well, yeah, they're not, they're not going to take Adam Henrique, at least if they're smart, they're not going to. But, um, you know, I think it'll be have to be like Raquel or something. I mean, they had Zebras right. and Drysdale, but they're probably not going to trade. No, no. How about yeah, Seattle? It's going to happen. But, um, well, Seattle was the original first one that I heard that it was yeah. going to be the number two pick. Right. And then they were going to agree to some. Um, what whatever we get, you know, you get uh, this pick and that pick. So I, I think all of them are in it, but I don't think Seattle is as attractive as Anaheim because they know their pieces they're getting. Right. Um, with those. Right. Um, right. Right. Um, now, how would Jack view Columbus? Do you think Col Columbus has got a lot they can offer? No, no, they can offer. I'm kind of wondering though, in terms of how Jack would view it, going from the he situation no in Buffalo, he has no control. He doesn't in this circumstance, but yeah. I'm just kind of no, curious. I you know, um, before I would have said that he would, you know, he's got Warinsky there who I'm sure he knows. You know, it's the one thing about yeah. uh, American players is they like other American players. Like most yeah. American players know each other. Like I know yeah. that's yeah. hard to believe. No, they really do. But they've come up through the system. Um, a lot of them played together at the national development team. They've been at the, uh, um, festivals, uh, so they, they do know each other. So junior, junior teams, well, yeah, especially, yeah. The especially the American college players, I've noticed they really. Well, I, I just think it's Americans just in general. I mean, yeah, the yeah. guys that go over, not as well, but guys yeah. that jump to Canada, they've been yeah. at you know festivals and stuff. So true, anyway, true. but you know Seth, Seth Jones is leaving, so that's a negative for you know for Eichel, yeah. or, or so it seems as well. But I I think Columbus can offer a lot they've got three first round picks right they've got the fifth pick in the draft right um, they've got some other players that they could move that could help uh, buffalo immediately they've got some other defensemen uh, like if i'm if i could get a top five pick and i'm buffalo then i start and you know, i'm going i'm going to get power i've got rasmus Dalin. i start selling on the idea of okay i get another defenseman at five now I've built like the I've got the makings of an exceptional defense. For sure. and maybe that's what I sell. You can definitely get another defense for the five. That won't be a problem. You can't yeah. change your way from power if you do this though. And that's what my thought is. No, do you go no. with power? No. Oh yeah, yeah, they're going with power. There's yeah. no okay. Yeah. Even, even yeah. if you have to wait for power a year, the what what we've learned in the semifinals this year with all the all the teams having big, rangy, talented defenses, you know, I mean, the opportunity to have to add. Uh, to add uh, uh, power to Darlene, to Samuelson, to Will Borgen, to, you know, I mean, they have a lot of good young defensemen. It makes total sense for them, even if they have to wait a year for power. Yeah, and I think they'll be waiting a year. I do. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. But because well, he's, he said that, so I guess we'll have to take him at his word. But, but uh, even other players are assuming that too, Kat, that I've interviewed. So, but, but Pierre, yeah. Lebr Pierre Lebrun listed LA, Minnesota, Anaheim, Columbus, the Rangers, obviously, and Philadelphia. And this, uh, uh, ironically, yeah. he didn't list Boston because, and I, I talked to a couple people about this, the Sabres will never trade Jack Eichel to Boston. And I and Russ, when we talked this morning. Yeah, I don't I, think they're trading him to the Rangers. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, do, it doesn't matter because Boston doesn't have 
yeah, you know, right. make the trade. Like it's not even it, no. if you look at cap friendly, you, you, you say to yourself, well, I don't even going to consider Boston. There's no way that they have anything that works. Well, they, they, they I have, talked to a couple people about Philadelphia and they kind of laughed about it. They, they really they said that's not I the, think case the reason why Philadelphia is being included in the conversation is because of the prospects and system. That's probably the things that they are probably. Yeah, but that's not where in. they want to go. It's not where they want to go. You know, if, if you're Buffalo, and this is the bot, you know, you think back to Ryan O'Reilly. And um, I remember writing specifically like this. I said, this mm -hmm. is a really bad decision to trade him. Right. Um, and especially when, you know, they were going to try to get uh, prospects. Like you got no idea whether prospects are going to be good. You think you do, but you don't. Right. And and they had a proven player in O'Reilly and you knew what he was. In, well, so yeah. I, I, and the chatter around Buffalo right now is that now they didn't say specifically for Eichel because I mean this is the thing they're talking Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and Eichel in one off season. Yeah, I had heard Reinhardt. Yeah, and the, 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 the speculation is that the, the that top first round pick that they'd be getting in a deal could be for somebody like Reinhardt because Reinhardt is what twenty five years old. He's played center. It's there is a team in the North Division that wants to trade for Reinhardt. They do. Yeah, it goes beyond that. There are more people interested in Reinhardt than Eichel. Like, yeah, because he's healthy. Because he's healthy. Yeah, exactly. And he's not going to cost them as much. Right, right. right. And and you know he's a, and he's a center. Right? He plays some and and that and you well, remember he wants to play center. Yeah, for right. sure. And he's done yeah, better. Sure. I mean, Columbus is Columbus is desperate for centers. I mean, that's what Columbus wants. Obviously, Eichel's center too. So it's not. And, but I, I can, when I was doing my research two days ago about this. And I was trying to follow because I heard LeBron reporting. I heard all these people reporting. I kept getting the same thing. I kept getting Reinhardt's name. Maybe it's because, like you say, Kevin, more people are interested in Reinhardt. But I kept getting Reinhardt's name being mentioned more than Eichel's name. Now, maybe that has changed in the last two, day, two days, I guess. I don't know. Um, well, I don't. I mean, I think that there's interest in both of them. And, yeah. Uh, but Na Eichel's name is really kind of heated up. And, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of. You know teams that are interested, but I think they've kind of narrowed it down. They know what they want. They really want another early draft pick. Apparently, that's mm -hmm. yeah. uh, what, what the rumor is, and uh, you know they've settled on that. And you know the other, from the co other Columbus position as as well that we haven't talked about, but we all um, you know it's the elephant in the room is they haven't been able to keep anybody. Well, they right. don't have to worry about that anymore. They got Eichel signed forever, good or bad, right. he's going to be theirs. Well, and since Sportsnet six fifty seems to have. Uh, the question on there, yeah, what I heard is that Vancouver is interested in Reinhardt. He's from there. Yeah. So okay. he may have an interest in signing with them long term. He may. Well, here's the thing about Eichel and um, and, and Columbus. Eichel is a, is a college hockey player, does love college, did love college hockey. Um, you know, mm -hmm. even and, and, you know, and Ohio State, of course, you know, Columbus is a college hockey town. I could see Eichel fitting in in Columbus. I could see him. I could see him being one of the players who's OK with that situation. You know, he it's a really it is a, it is a very good. Depends what the team's like, Eck. I mean, he doesn't have a choice. Yeah, sure. Russ is absolutely right. He's made yeah, it clear yeah. that he wants to win. Yeah. And that, that's his the only thing he seems to want to talk about. For he sure. Has to have, for sure. He has to have some idea, some inkling of the direction of the team. It has to right. be something that's attractive to him. You know, you have, you have Roslovich is a fellow American, is also, uh, you know, from Columbus. You've got Line A potentially who could play on his wing. They could potentially be an outstanding one two punch together. Yeah. To me, it, it it Columbus makes sense, yeah. but there has to there are if it's about winning and winning sooner, 
Columbus may or may, may not be necessarily the and, option that and he'll be looking for. And a, and a trade with Columbus, as uh, William in the ch in the chat says, I think any trade with Columbus would include one of the two goaltenders because right now the, the Sabres do not have a goaltender signed for, uh, for next year. It's right now their number one goalie would be Uka Pekalukkanen. Yeah. Yeah, get, get one of the goalies. Get That's either like Foodie or Chinnikov. You're going to have to get one of those and then get at least two first. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I was going to write that. Uh, yeah, you know, cool. that uh, the goalie for sure. They they need to yeah. get a goalie, and they're willing to trade one. Although I think the the hockey world, I, and I could be wrong on this because I didn't ask anybody. Um, but don't you have the impression that they see their goalies as equal, and the rest of the hockey world is only fascinated with Merzlikens? Like that's yeah. how how I feel. Yeah. I, and, and I think it was. I think that's changed because I think two years ago they were high on Corpusello. Everybody kind of was. And then I think that's cooled off, but it doesn't mean he can't do well, until, well somewhere else. Until Ms. Merzlikens had that big, that long streak yeah, of yeah. glory up yeah. until the he, – he took over when Corpusello got hurt, but then Corpusello played great in the playoffs. Right. Uh, any Okay, any trade – the important thing for the Sabres, uh, just like any with, the, with other teams that are in smaller markets, they have to get players like Columbus. They have to get players under contract in return mm -hmm. – Play, for these players, especially Eichel, like a Reinhardt deal, maybe they have to take somebody back like a Beagle or a Roussel to balance out the money because they have so much cap space. But they better get somebody who's uh, who's controllable for long term because they can't sign free agents. They don't want to come here. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you this. Um, the Flyers, when I talked to them today, the, the name that they said made the most sense with Buffalo for them would be would be Ristolainen. Um, and that's the guy that they that's the guy that they would like to yeah. grab. And, and, and he's on your he's on your list, Kevin, too. And um, New Jersey, uh, the Lance Lasowski, who, co who covers the Sabres for the Buffalo News, reported yesterday that the Devils are interested in Ristolainen. You're going to find a lot of teams because he's a one year contract at yeah. five point four million. He's a right handed D, and I think he's been misserved by playing in Buffalo over the last few years. I think he's a lot better than a lot of people think he is. He's he's not. He's the reverse of the analytics darling. He's He's who they po post up on the wall and throw darts at. Well, if you go all the way back to pre-COVID, the Flyers had interest in him then too, and they were very, they were really. Honestly, you can go back to draft day. Yeah, you can yeah. go back to his draft day. They but I remember the trade deadline. That. The Flyers felt like they were kind of close to getting him at the trade deadline pre-COVID, like right before that hit. If you remember, the trade deadline was a couple weeks before COVID hit, um, and that was that was something that they really felt like. So yeah, that that's something I, I think. Yandel's on your list too, Kevin. Um, he's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how people are going to feel about that. The contract is just past that point where, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's movable. Um, you know, he's still got some offensive ability, but boy, um, you know, and but he controls it all. You know, he has yeah. the yeah. no movement. But why would you want to be, you know, where the coach doesn't appreciate what you offer? You know. Yeah, um, yeah. He so. was, and he was, he was a he was a big factor last year for the for them too. Although at times he was horrible. Like he, well, he is so inconsistent. You, you'll see him make defensive plays that just baffle you, but then he'll also score a really big goal. That's the career of Keith Yandel. The, one, the one thing I can yes. see happening is, is he's very popular as you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, with teammates. I could see somebody who has played with him before going to their guy saying, you know, you got to get this guy, you know, he's a good, good offensive guy. And, and it's um, only a two-year commitment. And there's yeah, one place I think that could play into Kevin. I think you're absolutely right on that. I know he wants to – apparently when I talked to people last year, the only team he would wave to go to was Boston. That was it, and he was solid about that. Um, but 
there is a player out there who fits that category really well, and he's because and he's and he's getting he's rising the ranks a little bit in Arizona, and that is Shane Doan, who's play, who played with him, right? And Shane Doan apparently loves Keith Yandel, just absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, all their buddies. Yeah. So yeah, like well, let's put it this way: half of uh, the Arizona defense is are unrestricted free agents. They yeah. Right. Rebuild their defense. Well, so right. They can afford them. They, they definitely can. Yeah. So like Goligoski. Uh, lose as well as anybody else can help them lose <laughs> yeah you know one thing is um I, I i watched a lot of arizona games so i don't know why but my impression was is that their offense was as bad as it was in the previous season but it was actually improved last season um mm-hmm. and uh you know depending on who their coach is going to be. Maybe well, that's they- what I was say. It'll be improved under, and then it's going to be like a fill in the blank. Well, it, 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 like- it, it won't be improved when they trade their best player in Connor Garland because they're going to trade him because they need draft yeah. picks. You know, yeah, well, I I don't know. I mean, yeah. you do you do you actually know that from? No, no, I don't know people that, but- or uh, because I keep seeing that, but I've never seen any. You know, even an unnamed source quoted. It's almost like people are speculating that his, his name yeah. has been in the wind for too long for it. I've to seen die. it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can see it at the draft, Kev. I just think they have so many other things going on that it's probably there is not going to be anything circulating because they still got to hire a coach. Yeah, I mean, I did hear his name from a from a, a GM last year that it was out there that it wasn't an untouchable that he had discussed it. But I don't. But it's a lot. They wanted a heck of a lot for him. Garland. Right. They. They. Garland is not cheap at all. They know how good he is. It's not like you're going to sneak Garland out of. Oh, there. everybody that, knows. That was, that was basically the thing. You know, you're not going to sneak him out of there. So yeah, you might be able to get him. But it. It was a lot. It was way more than the person I was talking to was willing to pay for. The ability him. to maximize their value is already passed at, on April 12th because he was a seven hundred and fifty thousand or seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Yeah. And they, you know, they probably could have gotten two or three draft picks for him, and they and they didn't. Maybe they didn't think the return was enough. Now he's arbitration eligible, and after the year he had, he's probably going to make three million bucks. And then teams that think he's such a bargain, they may still think he's a bargain, but he's not as much making three million. Right? Well, if, 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 if you know, if I'm the in charge of the Coyotes and I could get three draft picks for him. Unless they're all first round picks, I'm not even going to be the least bit tempted. Well, they do need <laughs> a first round pick, as we know. Yeah, he's a good player. Like he's, yeah. uh, I wouldn't yeah. know. You, you need to get a good return for him. If I'm Yarmo, I give up one of my three firsts for Connor Garland because yeah, but Yarmo's in on Eichel, so they they're not going to be talking about that one until they lose out on Eichel or get Eichel. Yeah, that's yeah. No, that's that's a good point. I'll tell you one more funny thing because yeah, we, we haven't talked about it. Well, maybe you did uh, when I wasn't around, but isn't it hilarious that Phil Kessel ended up with twenty goals this year in a fifth season? Like it's crazy. 20 goals in a 56 game. He's a savant. I mean, you saw the picture of him. He is every man. He, yeah. He's not in perfect shape. He's not the greatest skater. Yeah. But he's he's hot dog he knows the game. Oh, no, Michael, right to he the does. hot dogs. He's just a flat out finisher. You know, like he just he finishes. He finishes. 20 goals. 20 goals. Yeah, he goes to the next game. He obviously puts himself in the right spot all the time. He's 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 great at positioning because he you know he's not fast, like you know, and he's but he's great at positioning. He's not slow, but he's not super fast. I mean, if no, he was but I mean, you know, I remembered I interviewed him at the World Juniors before he was drafted, and my initial and, and I, I remember writing a big article about Kessel because I was like, man, this guy's reputation's amazing. This guy could score, and then when you interviewed him, you realize he's just a different kind of guy. He yeah, probably trains different. 
He does everything different, but he can score. The thing I, he can yeah. score. The thing well, I always remember he, and what no one seemed to understand is uh, like Phil Kessel's shy. He's real shy. And he really just is not comfortable, you know, in the spotlight. So, um, and I think people sort of miscast him as, yes. you know, a malcontent as opposed yeah, to. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the best story. And this this, 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 this fills up perfectly, Kevin. This is exactly what you're saying. Um, my favorite Kessel story was when we were in Washington at that, um, that pre-Olympic thing uh, where the, the, the Kessel, you know, Kessel was part of that team. We're down there at the pre-Olympic thing. And I remember going at, it was, it was, it was at one of these arenas that had two arenas, you know, and there was youth hockey going on in the other arena and there were people around and they were mulling around stuff, that kind of thing. And I go downstairs and I see some guys playing like ball hockey on the rug, like on their knees and who's down there with them. But Phil Kessel playing with these kids, he's down there playing with these kids, ball hockey, just and, and having a blast. He's cracking up. He's laughing. They think it's the greatest thing in the world. They're playing with him, and he's just he's just loving it. And it, it's like that's that to me is like that kind of epitomizes he, Phil Kessel. He doesn't want to be talking to the media. He wants to just be hanging out, talking to these guys, talking to these kids. He was literally playing with the kids. What happened in Toronto showed that he didn't like talking to the media, but he loves he scores goals with relish. Well, media is a I mean, Toronto is not an easy place to talk to the media either. So I mean, you're talking that's a crazy situation. All right, let's get to get Les, last night's game because man, a lot of controversy behind this one. Um, yeah. Let me let, let me let me start off with this because mm -hmm. I didn't see it until this morning. I I was li as I you know as I was That's talking than the refs, Mike. As I was mentioning before uh, I was at the <laughs> game and I was listening to the, uh, the the radio broadcast of Dave Mishkin and uh, Phil Esposito, which is always entertaining. Yeah. Um, and Phil had an it was basically like Nagasaki in the radio booth when uh Pelic pushes point into Barlamov. I didn't realize how ridiculous this call on oh it was just until I saw that saw it this morning. I mean there I'm sorry, he projectiled point into Varlamov. Yeah. Not, this was not like oh this was not like uh Corey Perry sort of like oh I'll just bump into the goal. No he no thrown into him and must, I mean I must I, be a Sorokin fan Mike that's all I could think of Pelak <laughs> right right I mean that's crazy why would you do that I mean Varlamov is such a it's, it's it was it was an awful call but a terrible play too like really seriously a terrible play we should break up a play that's what he was doing yeah, but you you're risking the entire season by by throwing him into your goalie like that. I mean, you really are. I mean, legitimately, Lord, what? I mean, and it was a horrible call. It was, but not the only horrible call. Because, no, it wasn't the only one. No, <laughs> because but and 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 again in that. So then the too many men on the ice goal for the for the uh, for the Lightning. Now, granted, it had nothing to do with the goal, and I think that that's what needs to be mentioned. Like that that there were that there you could have been twenty guys on there. They were all by the bench. Right. It didn't matter, but still. This is the kind of thing to me that frustrates the hell out of me in the NHL because it's so simple to fix. And why don't we have a 30-second replay after every goal that's reviewed in the playoffs? Games would take five hours. No, it wouldn't because this, you, it didn't take long to figure this out. Most they, goals, they would most be, it would be like reviewing the Zabruder film, I'm telling you. you you're going to get so. all your eyes. Most goals are obvious, Anthony. But if you see something that's suspicious like this, then you're sure it takes time. You know what they the could goals, do? They could have like a, almost like a beeper on them or just on their phone get a text from Toronto the minute that play happened while yeah. they're getting ready to get into the next right. play. They get a quick text and it says, we reviewed it. It's not that. It's this. They could do that, and it wouldn't take any time at all. They because don't need I'm to review it there. Toronto sees everything. Right, like a yeah, button. But, but, but what, you can't see everything. I, 
I'm I'm with you. I'm you know yeah. There has to be some human error left in the game. Otherwise, it's always going to be confusing. Like, how long do they wait, you know, for make sure that Toronto's not going to call them? I think I think the thing would be if Toronto contacts you, then they contact you. If they don't, well, but then the thing would be, you know, if you'd have waited 15 more seconds, you would have seen it. You know, it's really simple though. I mean, you're in Toronto, a goal scored, bam! Immediately you have it reverses 30 seconds, and you play the last 30 seconds through a couple angles. Everyone's looking at it. Is this only for the playoffs, or is this for the? Right I'm, I'm I'm even willing to just say for the playoffs. I'm yeah, willing because, to, because you have 14 games going on on a Thursday. Right, right, but like especially when you but get you're to the make point. an argument if we're if we're in a playoff race and there's two teams that are real close and that call right. happens during the regular season and you're only going to do it in the playoffs. We're opening up Pandora's. Well, doesn't the, doesn't, oh, the NFL have doesn't the NFL do something like this just for the playoffs? No, uh, no. no. I thought there was an, but the no. NFL does have like in the last two minutes of a game that. But that's and, every game playoffs or not? They're, they're automatically good. reviewed. Yeah, I mean, so like to me, this is this this is just but one it's of not those penalties. Things. It's only scoring chances. It's only scoring chances and first downs. Right, I'm not, I'm not, but this is this, yeah. But there's two things that are easily that are easily determinable right away. One is if the if the puck goes out of like play and hits like the netting and comes back in. We've seen that happen. That's something that you should be able to fix immediately because that you might not have seen it. And the other is 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 this is tuning on the ice. That's they're just crazy, obvious, obvious things that you see immediately. So why can't I mean, I, well, it, it, if they want to change the rule to include that, I, I think I could go for that. But you mm-hmm. can't just have it open-ended where the, whatever they see, right. you know, that will take too long. Right. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, if, like, if, if the ref, if, okay, each team – These has, are not subjective things. That's what I'm saying. Like, these are not – Whoa, 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 whoa. Each team has a video review – uh, uh, component to them. If you if you do like the NFL, where you have and maybe it won't be a red flag you throw onto the ice, but if they have a t- if they have time to review before play starts, they they could they could uh, appeal to Toronto to get them to overturn a call. Maybe you could do that, but you can't have Toronto being you know the one the arbiter of every play that goes on. To I mean, make if you want to get it right, you could. But I'm not talking about getting every. I'm not talking about every play. You know, I'm not talking about every play though. They wouldn't do it on every. No, play. not every play. But if you're, let's put this thing this way. Like I'm okay if they say, okay, add um, uh, too many men on the ice to the other one. Okay, now we're looking for two things. But if you say review every scoring play, and if there's something wrong with it, let them know. You know, if some guy punches somebody behind the play, um, if he you know knocks them down early, do you call that? I mean, it's still going to be subjective. Um, it is no, it's still gonna be subjective. But here's another one: hand pass Pavelski. That's another one that was easily, easily determinable immediately upon review. Remember that goal? Right. And and to me, that things there are things that are not. These aren't judgment calls. He hand passed it to him. It, it, it's not a judgment call if there's seven people on the ice. It's not a judgment call if it hits the is netting. Like just find the non-judgment situations. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, but that's different from where you started out. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're right. No, you're right. But uh, to me, this is like and that. But I think that maybe that's maybe that's the place it has to be. It has to be looked at. Maybe it will be. But and the Islanders at the same time, like I said, it didn't mean anything in the goal. It didn't matter. Yeah. The Islanders fans can't sit back and complain about it really because honestly, it just. Let, let's let's talk about this. And I didn't look up how many power plays Tampa had last night. Uh, I'll, I'll check it after I get done blabbering. But the the fact, and Russ and I talked about this, the Islanders act of after the whistle 
And the cheap shots that they've been doing throughout the first two series, especially against Boston, they out-Bostoned Boston, Boston mm -hmm. which I didn't think was possible. And in this series, you know, the uh, the radio broadcast, they were going banana, going nuts. Yeah. When uh, when uh, Yanni Gord had the, his helmet ripped off and then he got punched in the face and there was no, you know, talk about inconsistent refereeing. When a guy gets cold cocked, has his helmet taken off and there's no call. Okay, then can, you can't complain when somebody else takes a baseball swing with a, with a stick at somebody's head. I mean, it's, 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 it got to the point where, and I'm surprised Trotz mm -hmm. didn't try and calm his guys down, mm -hmm. but he really needed to, and he really needed to get the Islanders track to actually playing instead of trying to do something after every whistle because it derailed them after a while. Yeah, it really it did. did. It, it did. And then Tampa, Tampa's better offensively. We know that. They're more talented. So the worst thing you can do is keep going to that part of your game and keep doing that and then eventually get a couple penalties called against you and Tampa's power play will kill you. Like it's just it, – it's not a smart way of playing. I get you have to challenge every inch – but you don't have to elbow somebody in the face every inch. And what's interesting about this as well, as far as we know, in game one, they had Ross, you know, Ross Johnston right across, you know, yeah. from Killorn. And it was sort of the threat of that. And it didn't quite plan out that way. Whereas in this game, there was a bit yeah. more of that um, without Johnston being in the lineup. And things just went off the track. I mean, look, the perfect example, too. You can't be a bigger jerk than Patrick Maroon. If the Islanders try, even if Matt Martin tries, he can't do it. Trust me, Pat Maroon's got that day, that game part of his game down pat. So if that's the guy you're taking off the ice, you're not winning that. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. It also did occur to me yesterday when we were talking about, like, you know, the uh, or two days ago we were talking about the the whole thing with Kucherov and the extra, and we were talking who would they have lost, you know. And and Kevin said, that, you know, it would have been Palat. You know, Palat's right. <laughs> watching, watching him score two goals last night. It just loses. Like, yeah. It was burying, burrowing in my head. It's like, yeah, they would have lost Palat, who was Kucherov set up for two beautiful goals last night. But, but Braden uh, points could have been clearer what is happening there. Yeah, Braden points heating up too, and that is a problem for the Islanders too because if Point is on, he could be as good as Barzell, and and that's a problem yeah. for the Islanders too. So. Yeah, what struck me, you know, beyond all the controversy, because there was plenty of it last night, what struck me is is that, you know, I, I really appreciated how the Islanders have played in the yeah, sure. uh, first two series, and uh, Tampa Bay has played hard as well. Um, and when, when I realized that when both teams are playing at a high level, you know, Tampa just has a little bit of advantage with the skill level. They, do. they have more guys who can, you know, break through the – no room and maybe get the shot or maybe score a goal and you know and they're just more experienced like that's that's the advantage in this series. They had the Islanders out there, Kev, for like two minutes on one shift. Yeah, two no. minutes. Yeah, and Andy Andy Green looked like he was going to pass out. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. I don't like it's. I mean, the Islanders have really played well. They have, you know, they have. and 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 in my I I you know my, I do have the Islanders still winning the series and i do think this is going to be a back and forth i'm not sure Yvette, it's going to especially once it goes to to the coliseum um i think it's going to get very interesting how do the islanders yeah. handle sort of what's going to be a how do they handle that level of crazy the energy and the yeah. all the emotion and if they can harness it and use it to their advantage and play the game that they that's made them successful thus far in the playoffs i still think that they get they have a, a very good chance of, oh, but 
Um, when you get into the skill areas, absolutely. I would agree with you there, Kevin, especially this is where you're missing Anders Lee. You yeah. could potentially battle with some of those big defensemen up front. Yeah. Uh, no, it's you huge. Know, it's huge. Tampa, that's, a, that's where you, you kind of look at it and say, you know, Palmieri's good. But he's not but I but I th- I think that it, the Islanders have to be concerned about actually getting too whipped up, too emotional. Too That's what I'm saying. Exactly. They have to harm. It's a very. It's kind of. It's going to be a, again. We I've seen it with yeah. um, Islander fans trying to get tickets. The struggle that they've had with Ticketmaster. You know. Yeah. The, you know. For trying to get in. Anybody who's in that arena, it's going to be absolutely deafening. But yeah. it you can know. turn against you if things go the wrong way. Yeah, you have Clark. I mean, you have Clark Gillies and Zach Wilson and the Jets' offensive line all crushing beer cans on their heads. Um, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it does whip you into a frenzy. It's like I mean, you have to play. Time it was Greg Bain Rotten, Mike. Get it right. Speaking of he's the one, talent, he's the one who's been buying, getting all these tickets. By the way, speaking of talent, it's really important that the Islanders get Wallstrom back soon. Like that, uh, in my opinion, he needs to be back in that lineup because he is. Probably we don't know the, the, the extent of his injury. That's the problem. We don't know, and hopefully, I mean, wish you know, if there's any hope that he comes back, he's a, he's a, he's a difference maker in this series. He's he's their right. best pure pure if, score, pure pure shooter that they if have. He, if he comes back and he's relatively healthy, act. If he comes back at forty percent, we've seen players that are coming back and being in the lineup, and they're a shadow of their former selves. They're all I mean, he took warm ups yesterday, so that's. Yeah. You know, I mean, we'll my God, yeah. yeah, my anticipation is I think we'll probably I mean, well we'll see, but I, I, if he's taking warm ups, taking warm ups, he's in. He's getting close. He's getting close. We might see him in game. If we might that, see him in game three. If he's that close, and you're in an important position in game three. Now, a really funny moment last night in the broadcast um, came when they were showing Jeff Petrie's glove, um, and I don't know if you saw this or not, but like they they were showing they were showing you know Jeff Petrie's probably still still though they made an commitment right whether he's playing tonight but yeah, you get the feeling he is right so they're showing Petrie's glove which is this enormous like you know has this enormous thing from his two fingers here and you know he's playing with he looks like he can handle his stick with it you know he's a very important player it, they need him back and they're showing this glove and and Keith Jones is commenting on it and Keith Jones is saying I'm just saying Jeff you better be like 90 for 80 90 percent okay because if you're not okay when you're playing with that glove you're wearing a Big ass target on your hand there. Yeah, that's, every, a, that's a funny point for for Jones. Honestly, Jones, if he's going to replace Romanov, I would keep Petrie out. I would. Yeah, I Jonesy mean, kept saying, "There's no way that you're going to not going to get whacked and no. and whacked and whacked and whacked and whacked." No, so you better be okay. Why not? Why not replace Gustafson or Kulak instead of replacing Romanov? I would say yeah, Gustafson in this case. But they like the offensive push now. Now all of a sudden, Gustafson has when he's with a good rock solid defensive partner. Right. You can kind of, and we saw this obviously in Philadelphia this season. Yeah, he had some stretches. He had some stretches where again it was you know the stent you know the difference. And, with and, what you get out of out of, out of Gustafson, but yeah, but Romanov, man, that hit he throws on Pietrangelo, oh my gosh, that was that, great. that was, and and then Seth Jones's reaction to it when he got back to the bench, that was phenomenal too. I don't know if you got to see that, but it's like not that's Seth that, Jones. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, just, uh, I'm losing my mind. Shea sorry, um, Shea Weber. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Shea Weber's reaction when they get back to the bench is like you know he says something and he's and then and Roman you can't see what he says, but you see Romanov just cracking up about it. Well, and uh, you know, it was like that was a hell of a hit. I mean, that was yeah. in that well, in that moment there, combined with the first goal that was given up. I think Gustafson was usually responsible for. There's just no reason in my mind that that it was, that a, heck, it was, a, it was a heck of a hit. What effect did it have on the game? It had none. It had an effect on the game because in that, early, no, in that early going, Mike, 
Montreal was totally taking it to them. And and when, and when you put down Pietrangelo like that, scored the goal. They didn't score the goal. Of course they didn't score the goal. But does that mean that he doesn't make that hit? He doesn't know that they're not going to score a goal. Mike, he's out there trying to – that I point, think it Mike, had an effect for Romanoff, Mike, to keep him in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. That, that no, it also, it also was – if Montreal does score there, we're saying that had a big effect. It, I'm, I'm just saying that the reality is – they did. It was it was it was a good it was a good moment in the game for Romanov. I I, I agree I, that I think it it should warn him staying in Montreal's yeah. lineup. Uh, but overall, watching the game in its totality, Montreal was thoroughly hemmed in in that game after, oh, yeah. after that early stretch. I mean, it, yeah. Vegas, yeah, Vegas was Vegas was able to activate their defense very easily in their end and at times between the two goals between you know Montreal not used to teams spending that much time in their own end they're just oh, yeah no there's no question and the only thing i can equate to uh, petri uh you know playing with a uh, with the altered glove and kevin will know this and everybody else will know this because of watching the nfl as much as we have over the years when an offensive line has had a broken hand or a broken finger they wrap up their their hand it's almost like a big battering ram a club it looks like a club yeah, it looks like a club. I mean, that's mm -hmm. basically what it, Petrie's going to be playing one-handed, basically. Right, and, and that's why I don't, I don't know if that's worth it. Honestly, right, I don't think it's worth it. But Ducharme's going to do whatever he's going to do, man. Yeah, it's tough to say. Like, if it was two nothing right now, it was, was one thing. But if they still have a chance tonight to send this back to Montreal one-one without Petrie, I would think about it. You know, I would think about waiting a little bit longer and not playing him. Just. Well, but, what we said, what we said yesterday, Ak, is that you can't blame the loss on Carey Price because Carey Price was unbelievable. But the the the, the fact that Carey Price played as great as he did and they lost four one is not a good sign for the Habs. We're playing a very good team. You know, obviously Vegas is a very very good team. They they might be the best team. You know, they might I, be. I, I, honestly, I'll, I'll I'll put it out there. I think Vegas, Colorado was my original pick to win the cup. Right. Whoever came out of that series to me. I believe it's going to be the Stanley Cup winner. Yeah. I think Vegas has all the motivation right now. The opportunities there, the culmination of what they've been doing for the last, you know, several seasons of building yeah. up. This is probably their time in this. Exactly. And it, it, really, it, and it, it was something. Could I mean, it could be. But, but Mont the fact that Montreal's in it has a chance is impressive. The fact that they took it to them early in that game was impressive. And yes, they 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 didn't you know they didn't keep it going. I mean, um, ten minutes into it, they were no longer. Impressed. No, yeah, no, no question. I mean, yeah. they have. That the way that Montreal plays, you know, the way they they have played a lot of. If you've seen, they've scored a lot of early goals. Like against Winnipeg, they scored early goals right away. That's what they were doing, and that that's what they were. That that's their strategy right now to go out and score that early goal, and that changed yeah. changed the thing. And unfortunately, they ran into Flurry, who made some unbelievable saves early on there that just kept them. They kept Vegas in it, and then once Vegas was in it, then they were in it, <laughs> and that was it. You know, and then there's no question about it. They're I mean, they're obviously a better team than Montreal. They're deeper than Montreal. They're faster than Montreal. Um, but you know, at the same time, Montreal's still in it. So I still want to see, and like, you know, we always say doesn't matter until you lose at home. Right. So we'll see what happens. Right. But, uh, game two, game two is tonight. And Kevin says game one doesn't matter. My wife heard that. She's like, she, she, I had a whole long discussion with Jody about that. Kev, like Kevin says, Kevin, Kevin Allen says game one doesn't matter. She was listening to the podcast as we were going in. Do you really think that's true? Do you realize you honestly feel that way, Kev? I do. Um, I just here's what I I don't feel that it doesn't matter. What I think is is in covering the league for as long as I have, mm -hmm. I've been fooled so many times by thinking a team has come out and won, um, and they look good, and then I realize yeah. that game one is just the feeling out game, and yeah. the series really doesn't get going. No game two. 
So yeah, um, you know. a, a follow up question on that, Kevin. So do you think it's is it more of a factor if it's a road win versus a home win? If they no. does it make any bit of a difference there? No, I've just I've just covered so many series where mm-hmm. a team has uh, won the first game, and you think, wow, this is going to be a better series than I thought, and then that someone just takes charge and they roll. You it serves as a wake up call to the team if it's an upset. Well, and and I really do think that there's something too because always there's differing amounts of time for teams between series, and so yeah. I think that first game is always just okay. We got to get a look and f- see how they're gonna react to us and then everybody figures it out and they watch the video and they size yeah. up who can play with whom and then yeah yeah they figure it all out and i think both teams do that but um you know one team usually like uh, like i don't i don't think it, it gives you as much uh um help winning game one as people think it does that's my take i thought it's really interesting because i mean and then they you know then we're sitting there and um Another one of my wife's least favorite things in the world is when she says, you know, like 71% of the time, a team wearing blue that's leading after two periods wins the game. Like she yeah. hates like things. She hates that statistic too. But it is true that 71% of the time in this, uh, that, that the team that wins game one wins the series. Um, and that's some, you know, that is, is kind of fascinating that way. Now, that could be, you know, largely because game one is usually the home team at home and, you know, the, they're usually the better team and it could just play that whole thing out. But, well, what's funny about your wife not liking that is, you know, <laughs> the math geeks I know have, have taken over betting. I know, you know, yeah. and it's all about uh, probabilities and stuff. And I saw, and I didn't quite get the whole thing. Maybe someone else has paid attention to it if you play this. But one of the uh, uh, baseball sites where you uh, you 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 get a lineup every day and you compete. Um, somebody now is offering the chance where they set the lineup. Um, so you can compete against the set lineup as opposed to uh, ah. competing against everyone else because the math geeks have completely taken over, <laughs> right, right. you know, and they've and, and they've sort of figured it out. So they're kind of bringing it back for the true, uh, you know, baseball fans. So that's for sure. That's a yeah. And then she, of course, is that is that kind of a math geek for no questions asked there. Um, all right, um, that's all I got, guys. Anybody else get anything? We're good. Uh, let me just ask Kevin this: um, mm-hmm. if the the Dougie Hamilton story has advanced at all because there's, you know, there's some speculation out there that, you know, Carolina is letting him go out there and test the waters and seek a eight year deal. And they, they believe that he's going to come back uh, and say he couldn't find it. I, I don't particularly believe that. I think there probably are maybe three or four teams that would be willing um, and probably willing to pay more to him than than Carolina would. What what, what have you heard, or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think it is accurate that the Carolina Hurricanes are hoping that he'll come back. And um, you know, I, I again, I think I told this story. I talked to a general manager who went and looked at all the cap friendly. He said, "Yeah, I see three teams that'll pay Hamilton that money, and there are three teams he doesn't want to go play for." Yeah. <laughs> Right. And uh, the teams that he does want to play for are not in any position to give him, you know, that kind of money. Um, right. So, so it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, when you were talking, uh, and I thought there was enough contributions, but you're talking about Hyman. I, I think it's possible that Hyman will not get the kind of money that he mm-hmm. would like to get in the open market. Mm-hmm. Not that people don't respect what he does because everybody does, but it's a flat cap. And, yeah. um, you know, it's hard to, when you go through and, you know, one GM uh, challenged me to go and add up all the available money 
and then look at the free agents and divide it and see how much it is per thing. And I didn't do that, but he apparently he has, and he said it's very amusing um, what yeah. the average amount of money is. Yeah, I'm so, sure. And um, so, you know, I, I don't know. Some, some, something's going to give. Like there's going to be some bargain somewhere if, if he's right. So. Um, yeah, you're right. No, there absolutely is. And all that means when that number is low is that means that there's going to be a lot of guys taking a lot, taking very little. Like there's going to be a lot of guys because there's the big guys are still going to get paid, right, Kevin? So like you're going to still get you're going to get the little. Well, yeah, you think so. You think that they get paid, but when they get to term, like when you look at the yeah. number of contracts that are out there that people regret. You know, we go Skinner, we got Parisi, we've got Johansson, yeah. uh, we've got Matt Duchesne. Um, to a lesser oh, yeah. extent, we got Keith Yandel. Um, oh, Voracek. Yeah, Voracek. There's a lot of contracts out there. Even, yep. you know, you can even make a case for Ryan Ellis. Um, you know, Ryan Ellis is still yeah. a very good hockey player, but he hasn't been nearly as good as he was before right. he signed that long-term deal. Right, right, right. That's very true. It's very, very true. So, yeah. anyway, there's a lot of guys out there. Now, all of a sudden, people are saying, boy, you know, we should stay away from those, those lengthy deals. Now, you kind of have to give them to some players, but – yeah, um, you know, I, it's a lot of GMs can't help themselves, no. Kev, though. It's no, sounds, no, you're right, you're right. And, 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 and we say we say this every year when we think that the cap constraints are out there. You would think that this would generate more hockey deals, and I would think that this year would be the. It's you know, starting to. Yeah, I think you're right, Greg. There's already right. more players available in the trade market than's usually available. Right, right. Which I think is why yeah. this. Is, I mean, and, and that number probably, uh, I would, I would bet that number is below two million dollars easily like probably like like 1.5 million kev that that the average amount of money left for the average amount of maybe yeah. 1.5 i would guess yeah, i don't know he, he didn't tell me he wanted me to do the math and i just haven't had time yeah, to do it i, I would but, guess it's around there i mean somebody mentioned Giroux in the in the chat randy randy mentioned Giroux in the chat i don't i wouldn't include Giroux with that i think he's given for based on his number I no think he's, he's giving them their money's worth he's right? given he think he's giving philadelphia there's money's worth it's it's yeah. it's the the Voracek contract Again, oh, remember when when Borachek signed that contract, he was well, we're forgetting the most obvious yeah. one, which is Bobrovsky, right? Like that's the one yeah. that's like, I mean, that's yes. Like, I mean, that's like yeah. that is by far, I think, the worst contract. In the it is the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we didn't mention him, so you know that, yeah. and that's the guy. I mean, that that's like that's ten million dollars, which is just ridiculous. Like that's that's a huge percentage of your cap right there. That's stuck. For how about how about Eric Carlson at eleven five? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. The San Jose Sharks have the yeah. worst salary cap situation when you Thank consider you. all of the contracts. Yeah. Like they have six guys on their team who are getting paid big money for extended periods, who, in my opinion, are not living up to their um, their average salary. Yeah. Before they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, Kevin, they never had this problem. Like yeah. you know, they, like Doug Wilson. Oh, was, but that was the thing. They got so close act that they felt like they no, tried they to push, they they push it the it Wilson was the best at keeping his cap under control. Right, like, but they, they got was this close that they kind of pushed all the chips in. And that's the great temptation when you're that, that close as a general manager. I remember reading yeah. enough books I would say it's great temptation and, and enough things on gen on like you know yeah. behind the moves, for example, that book about how many times you know you get to that point. And that's really the danger point. For longevity in a lot of circumstances for organizations, when I, think close, Anthony, I think Anthony. I think Anthony is not about the general out. manager in this situation. I think that's the temptation point for the owner. Like I think it is, but, there's, but then the GM has to make that. But again, the GM then has, to, has to make decision on where you spend that money. I bet you Wilson's a lot of Wilson stuff. I think came from the owner. 
a lot of those bad well, deals. The one, you know, what GMs will say to you sometimes about the long-term deals is you have to view them not in terms of the average salary, but, you know, we're paying them, you know, say it's a $10 million contract. We're pay actually paying them $15 million for the first four years. Right. And then, you know, that, you know, we, that's what we got to do in order to get them. And then, you know, we view the last part as where, you know, we're paying them, you know, kind of five for that. Where we can buy them out and it doesn't hurt as much. So, but. Yeah, that depends. Sure, man, that's a good yeah. It depends. <laughs> All right, great stuff, guys. Um, have a great weekend. I'm just kidding. I, um, <laughs> I got a lot of heat from Happy that. Happy New Year. My family, my, family was, my family all heard me say that. Uh, you know, have a great weekend on Monday. And they were like, you know, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go up, upstairs to take care of the turkey and, and, and I know, stuff. Every, yeah, just, so. <laughs> enjoy your weekend. Have a wonderful Christmas holiday. We'll be back again after that. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.